You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. I love that idea. Welcome home. Mm-hmm. How did you decide to say, hey, the podcast should be called Welcome Home and I want to do it in my house? I have a ceremony, a non-plant-based ceremony that I take people through. I'm the guy who's known for creative expression, inner child, and I embody that fully. And I have this process, this six-hour process that I take people through a high ticket. And when people are done, they feel like they went on a medicine journey. And I was like, but I teach people how to be there, overdose on their own medicine internally. But I go through the traumas and I go through the impact of the primitive stage of the little kid. So I do a lot of kid work, kid work, questions and asking and teach them how to safely travel through their nervous system and then be guided back in a safe way through creativity. And then when they come out of that, there's a process where I bring them to like the truest essence of their heart. And by the time they open their eyes at the end, I say, welcome home back to yourself. Mm, Beautiful. And so I bring people through this journey back to themselves, but you've got to remove a lot of things and then accept it and love it and embrace all of you. And then you're reminded of what your soul already knows, that everything that you were looking for has been inside of you this entire time, which is a sense of home. And so I was like, all right, well, that's going to be a product. So I did that because that's the route that I took Mm -hmm. going from living in my car for two and a half years to where I am now. It was all of that, but I probably had to overcome 10 times more than most people, which makes it easy for me to work with most people because all of them are reflections of things that I had gone through. Mm -hmm. So my podcast is really talking about like overcoming and expression and all of those things that's like really underneath everything that we want to know. But I go deep down and then extract that through like really cool questions. And so I was like, well, I'm going to name my podcast the Welcome Home (laughs) Podcast. And so that's how I came about with it. Beautiful. Beautiful. You mentioned that you take people through an inner child journey. Kid work is what you call it. Yeah. What does that mean and why is it so important? I mean, it's so important because adults are deteriorated children. It was like with the first... From zero to seven, that's where we literally code damn near our entire lives. Like if you were born in a Muslim family, nine times out of 10, you will do as the Muslims do. If you were born in a Christian family, and so that's how it is. Like that's your childhood domestication. Your language, how you feel about money, your worthiness, all of that is modeled by mom and dad or brother, whoever's around the house. Well... 30 years removed from that. And you're like, oh, why is it not happening to me? I I got all the talent, but the money is not matching. Mm -hmm. And most people are focusing on what's happening now, but they've abandoned all the things that they stuffed down as a little kid or when their father molested them or something that's impacted them. And then they created a story. Then the story created their life. So I'm like, man, let's go to the heart of the story where it was originally created. So it's so important because if you try to change the person, you'll never change the person. But if you change the system, the system changes the person. It's like school. You can't change the kids, but you can change the system at which they're learning. That will change the kids because that'll shift how they're learning and then that will change their behaviors. So I kind of found a way to go into people's beginning stages of learning, ABCs, When dad first left, when mom didn't pay attention, when dad, all he did was work, but never said, I'm proud of you. And so now you feel like as an adult, nobody sees me. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So we take that and I was like, what's your earliest memory? We just keep going back. We keep mm-hmm. going back. And then once I hit a main line and you start being like, well, I don't want to talk about that. That's what we talk about. Mm-hmm. And so it's super important because if you don't do that, then your future will become a recreation of your past. You can't outrun yourself. So if you keep trying to change what's at the surface, that's like plucking a weed from the top and expecting it to be gone. You got to pluck it from the root. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the root, it's a little bit harder. You got to mm-hmm. dig into the ground and uh, have a philosophy. You got to dig deep in order to build high. So if you want to have deep connections and deep intimacy and like be deep in the world, might as well learn something deep about yourself so that you can have the tools to go into the world in mm-hmm. that way. From what I'm understanding of what I'm hearing you say yeah. is that the, the idea really is to bring awareness towards where everything started and as a child, in, as a parent or whatever that might be and yeah. to be able to bring attention to that and then finding a way to accept it or finding a way to do what? Yeah, so it's... It, first, Once you've got it, the awareness. Yeah, yeah, so first it starts with awareness because okay. you might be trying to change and change and change and change. That's like going into your car and saying, hey, I want to go to a address. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to be driving and driving and driving. Well, you can't hit a target you don't have. So first it starts with awareness. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know why you're triggered whenever your wife says this, and then you take it out on her, but you're really taking it out on your mom, on something she did when you were five, and you mm-hmm. stuffed it down, but you're not supposed to talk back to adults. And you stuff it and stuff and stuff. And not everybody that reminds you of your mom, it just comes out and it comes out on your boss. It comes out on women. So what I'm suggesting is once you're aware and you identify it, now you take all the power away from everybody else who you blame for making you feel a certain way. And you take responsibility for the story that you created. Mm -hmm. Because what happened is what happened. But what you did about it is what you're shaping, creating in your life. So once you're, you're able to identify it and accept it, now you say it's a place for, because you can't change what you're not aware of. And once you're mm-hmm. aware of it, now it's like, okay, so what do I want to do with this feeling? I can hold on to it or I can learn to forgive myself and learn to forgive the person who mm-hmm. actually, anytime I think of this, this person comes up. So through letting go of resentment, it frees you and forgiveness will complete the cycle. Mm-hmm. And so there's people that hold on, they hold on to stuff and they pack it down. If you want to free yourself, and you know, my philosophy is go to the place where you trapped yourself because you hold the key to that. Sometimes you don't know to go there by yourself. So that's why it's always good to have some kind of guide that can safely take you to that place. Kind of like learning the ABCs never seen a kid teach himself the ABCs. They have a teacher and then you just go through it as a collective and it's a safe space. Then everybody learns ABCs. So once you then go to that space and then you say, and I'm willing to release it and let it go. And I I love this and maybe express the pent up emotion because your body stores emotion. So if you have stuck energy somewhere inside of your nervous system, that's just like a water hose with a knot in it. You can turn on it full blast. Little spigots will go through. But if you undo the knot, now the water that's designed to flow will happen. Well, that's the same thing that happens with ancient wisdom, infinite wisdom, creativity, sexual transmutation, because we're a channel. Well, stuck energy causes your channel to block. Mm -hmm. But if you can locate where inside of your nervous system you have stuck energy and then release it, And say what you always wanted to say to your dad. You don't have to say it to them, but at least express those emotions. You effing, you you did this. You didn't see me. You weren't around. You let it all out the way you want to, how you want to. And then you say, and I accept you fully. And I love you. And I forgive you. And I forgive myself. From this point forward, I'm creating the possibility of having a loving open relationship with such and such and such, if you want to, Mm -hmm. without making the other person wrong for what they did, you're just taking responsibility for your own nervous system and resentment because it's only hurting you. So 
it's a really difficult process. However, anyone that's like truly gone through that work, you notice a certain peace about them. You notice a certain joy about them. They attract at a high level, especially when your channel is open. When your channel is open, your ancestors are speaking, God is speaking, like everything is flowing through and there's no blocks. I'm like a spiritual plumber. I teach people how to unblock and then leave them with the tools so they don't always have to need me. I don't want to always be needed in that way, but I do want to show you how you can be your own savior and not make everyone else come and save you. Beautiful, beautiful. So as I'm hearing it, I'm saying there's kind of like three steps that you take people through, which is first I can hear your awareness. structure right now. Yeah, my my wife does the same yeah. thing. <laughs> awareness, acceptance, and yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. And that's how you release one of the models at least yeah. releases to, is to forgive. Sometimes people find it really hard to forgive. Yeah. What would you suggest to somebody that is finding it really hard to forgive something that may have happened yeah. for them? So and this is something that I've experienced with people because they're like, well, I've already forgiven this person, but the feeling is still there. I was like, how many times you've brushed your teeth in the last 10 years? They're like, every day. I said, why? I said, because you're supposed to brush your teeth every day. Why? So my breath can be fresh. I was like, well, so your soul can be clean. You could possibly approach forgiveness the same way as when you brush your teeth. Matter of fact, you can use the aspect of something that you already do every day as an anchor, go into the bathroom and when you go and brush your teeth, then you can use that as a channel for forgiveness or an anchor for forgiveness. As soon as you go and look in the mirror, I forgive myself for, I forgive this person for, I forgive the two men who martyred my father because that's what I've been doing since I knew what the power of forgiveness. My father was murdered when I was 12 years old and I had forgiven and I was like, I I want them to die and I want their kids to die. Mm -hmm. That's how much hate I had. But it was the hate was in me. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm responsible for the hate in me. So I had to train myself and this is exactly what I did. Went into the mirror. Every time I went to go brush my teeth, I said, I forgive the men who murdered my father. Mm -hmm. I want them to have a prosperous life. I forgive the men every time. So imagine doing that route of forgiveness every day for the last 10 years. Well, now forgiveness becomes in mastery, not something you're just doing because you forgive until it becomes a part of you. So that's often why something is difficult because you haven't mastered the repetition of it. Like you do your own name or brushing your teeth or taking a shower. Beautiful, by the way. And I love that you have the analogy of brushing your teeth because it's like cleaning your spiritual system. Yeah. is to be uh-huh. able to forgive and be able to say, all right, I can now channel fully who I am and who I am meant to be and so forth because I'm clean in my system, my spiritual system. Garrett, what is it that you've found for individuals that may be currently living a life where they find it hard to operate on a day-to-day basis. The reason why I ask this question is because I know my life changed when I leaned into spirituality and I yeah. leaned into like really honoring that body of mine instead of just thinking everything is, you know, ABC, business strategy, business this, business that. Yeah. Uh, when I said yes and, uh, there is a whole other element that I'm not considering. My life changed. But when I started my journey, what I found it was spiritually on a day-to-day basis, a little bit hard, especially when, like you said, there is a system that is around us at any given time. There's a system that we operate in. And when you're in the system and there are elements in the system that are not aligned, I was married to someone that I wasn't aligned to. And so they were in my system. There was no way, at least when I was in it, for me to go, oh crap, that's what's broken or that's what I need to think about or work on and so forth. Mm -hmm. What is your thought process or your mentorship to somebody who may be going through that journey? So I'll tell you, because I've been through that journey when I was $200,000 in debt, 40 pounds overweight, tried to kill myself twice. I was already living in my car for two and a half years. My mom was dying in the hospital and and my daughter pretty much disowned me. And my girlfriend left me because I couldn't take care of my own self. All in the same month. Like all of this was happening at the same time. And I was like, I don't know with all of these gifts and talents how people are making it. This doesn't make sense. So either I die or I do something about it. And I remember saying, I can't change 
anyone else. I used to blame everybody where I was. I was like, the only person I haven't blamed was myself. So first step was taking responsibility for where I was at. And nobody else could take the blame. So I instantly, and this was unconscious, by the way, took my power back. And I said, I was like, man, if anybody's going to change anything, it's going to have to be me. What can I change about myself that would change where I am? So I immediately looked at what I was doing. I'm like, man, I complain all the time. It's like my friends are up to no good. And I'm always going to the club chasing women. And I'm living in my car. I'm sleeping around every single night. I was like, man, what's the easiest thing I know I can do now? All right, cool. I can go hang out with some new people. Where are those new people? I look up on Craigslist. I was like, man, any like free leadership seminars or something? But because that was the opposite of everything that I was doing in areas of my life where I wasn't happy. And all of this, I was unconscious. I wasn't doing personal development back then. But I was like, man, what's the opposite? So, you know, I love to tell analogies and stories because people remember the story. There was a time where my life hit rock bottom and this will pertain to what you're saying. And I said, okay, I'm tired of fighting. I don't want to fight anymore. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to be surrounded by nothing but positive people. I want to inspire people. I want to make a bunch of money. And I want the money to represent something that I passionately believe in that I would do for free. So that was me unconsciously creating a vision for myself. Then I just went out in the world. A few days later, a homeless guy asked me for money. I said, you have more money than me. And he said, change your mindset, change your life. The homeless guy walks away. Those words hit my soul like a ton of bricks. And I was like, man, so if I do different with the same circumstance, then my life will change. I hang out with these people. So the easiest thing I could think of is stop going to the club. Okay, what can I do with the time that I go to the nightclub every single night chasing women? Let me see if I can hang out with some positive people that are doing differently that my other friends are doing. Cool. So that's when I looked up a different community of positive people that were up to something. I got involved with health and wellness and they were speaking different. They looked different. Their energy was different. I was like, man, it's like a whole different planet. By me changing my community and being immersed in the culture and all this was unconscious, I naturally started doing everything that they were doing. I don't see how I could have done that by myself, just like a fifth grader can't teach himself how to get out of fifth grade. So I'm a fan of having somebody in your life that can support you and pulling out of you what you can't pull out of yourself because you can't see the picture while you're in the frame. So culture and community and like immersing yourself in that and the kind of community that you want to be will have you accelerate your learning and it won't be as difficult because now you won't be by yourself with no accountability and all that. That's difficult. Beautiful. I remember recently I moved to Austin only about a year and a half ago. And I used to always in LA feel like the community that I was hanging out with was people who wanted something from someone. It's not about LA generally, but at least the people that I was meeting more often, I felt like there was a inherent need, which was more driven by recognition or who's recognized in one capacity and so forth. And that always bothered me. And so I never really fell in love with LA. And while the pandemic hit, we moved to Austin. And I used to always say, I'm an introvert. Like I want my space. I don't want to go to parties. I hate going to parties and so on and so forth. And what I recognize is in the past year and a half, I don't see myself as an introvert. I mean, you've come to our house a couple of times now. You know, there's a party pretty much every weekend or if not every (laughs) other weekend. If we are not doing it at the house, we are at somebody else's. It's like always very engaged and I'm always there. It's not like I'm trying to hide away or I'm saying, oh, let me go find my corner or talk to only three people. And I recognize that change happened because of people around me changed. Yeah. Right. The way they showed up was different. And because they were showing up differently, I was showing up differently. So I love what you said as a part of the process. It's of course taking first is your own personal responsibility and saying, what am I going to do about this? Whatever this is in yeah. life. Like if it's health, then what am I going to do about that? If it's relationship, then what am I going to do about that? And initially it's going to be hard. Like it was yeah. really difficult for me when I decided that my first partner wasn't somebody that I could be living with for a long period of time or was the right partner for me generally. And it was really hard because I come also from background of 
My parents are Indian. I'm from India myself. And divorce is a very big deal in India. Like you don't get divorced. <laughs> you, you just, just stay. stay you you just it stay out. in it. You grind it out. Like that's how people approach. Now the mindset is changing a little bit, but still it's pretty hard. Like you're looked down upon in society if you do that. And I was already an outcast because I married someone who was from a different country, didn't speak the language. You know, it was somebody from a different culture altogether. So I was already an outcast. And then to take that decision was incredibly hard. Mm. And it was really difficult for my parents to hear. And there was a lot of, of course, crying and not being able to accept it and suggestive of why don't you stay in this relationship and so on and so forth. But knowing the truth of truths, that what am I really trying to create? Why do I need this in my environment? And saying, I need to leave this situation mm. because it's good for me, even if it's hard for everybody else, to be able to make that tough call yeah. and have that vision of yourself or have that future self that you can see even when you're making that tough decision, yeah. I think is the key. Is yeah. to be able to go, I know this is going to suck for a hot minute. But over the course of time, over the course of life, this is going to work out. And what my true version of my true version is and how it must show up in the world. And I think that that was really big and really hard. And that was a good transition of that health and a bunch of other things that I had to do. I had to quit the job I loved because I was like, if I love it so much that I don't pay attention to myself, mm. I love doing this shit so much. And I was very well-to-do in that situation, but I was just like, this is just not healthy for me because I'm not taking care of me because I love this shit, yeah. right? So I had to find a way to also recreate an environment business-wise. So pretty much everything had to be quit in like a scope of two years and get really uncomfortable for another four years, probably three, four years until Evergood started to take off. It's and a said it. Yeah, it's a process. And situations change around me because of that and so forth. But I think it's important to share what you just shared is like, it took you a hot minute to say, dude, I had to quit things that I loved. I loved going to the parties. Yeah. It was fun as hell. Mm -hmm. And I had to say, but that's not good for me. Yeah, because then the, the thing you got to ask is, I love this thing, but at what expense? I'm dying on the inside. I'm not happy. And I meet so many people. How you doing? I'm fine. Today is great. How you doing? Today is great. It's really great. I'm like, really? How are you doing? <laughs> so for me... I'm the guy that would put on the biggest mask and overcompensate with jokes and happiness. But deep down inside, I was crushed. There was something inside of me like the cemetery is not where you see the most dead people. It's where you walk around every day and you see somebody with something that's died inside of them. And me being so in tune with my channel, I can feel it from a mile away. I'm, I can have a conversation with somebody. And I'm like, yo, that's a morgue right now. How's your heart? My hand right there is like, how's your heart? Thank you for asking. No one's ever asked me that. Mm -hmm. So it is a process. So that's why having like accountability and having community, which I feel is the new luxury, is so necessary, especially nowadays. So I heard somebody, I think it was my business partner, said it, that one third of your life is destiny. One third of your life is about ownership, self-ownership, and you're designing it, manifesting and creating it. One third of your life is the community and the that. people that you hang out with mm -hmm. because it impacts you as much as what your mind impacts you. But if you hang out with the right kind of person, if you are trying to create something, like you said, you wanted to create something different in your life. You started yeah. to hang out with people that were more in personal growth or were taking ownership of their life. And that changed everything for you. Me yeah. moving to Austin changed everything for our business because I was hanging out with a completely different set of people, yeah. having a completely different set of conversation. And because of that, energetically, I was different. And I feel like pretty much everything around us, barring the one third of destiny, because you can't control that. The remaining two thirds is really about what fuels you. Mm -hmm. If by the end of whatever you do, you feel excited, pumped, happy, joyous, you feel driven, do more of that. Yeah. Right person, right partner, right health structure, because I mean, you need something to get your body For also sure. in the right state. Yep. Uh, right relationships, right friendships, right consuming of the right kind of content, not listening to things that take away power from you, but only things that give power to you. In my learnings, we call it empowered thinking. Mm -hmm. We say every single day you have a choice, or every single moment really you have a choice of choosing a disempowered thought or an empowered thought. Mm. A disempowered thought is anything that takes something away from you. 
Like if you feel like, you know, I'm listening to this podcast and I feel like I'm not doing a good job, that's a disempowered thought. I empower thought is I'm listening to this podcast and I know what I need to do next. Yeah. Let's choose the empowered thought because it fuels you. It doesn't yeah. take away power from you. It that. gives you some power. And and by power, I don't mean negative, you know, that kind of power. Power like personal power. Yeah. Stuff that you can really count on because you can always count on you. Yeah. I call it personal magnetism. It's like we're the most powerful magnets, but if your magnet isn't charged, you're not attracting in high frequency. And that high frequency I call the abundance frequency. And but your your own magnetism has to overflow. And then when it overflows, it overflows into the next container called the physical evidence of your life. Beautiful. Yeah. Do you suggest that the exercise that we talked about before where you give forgive every day, is that your path to fuel your tank every single day uh, to have that magnetism overflow? Or is there something else that you Joy? say, hey, this is what yeah, you need yeah. to do? So I, I um, like I say, I play in the realm of the little kid. And anything that I do, I always ask myself, can I see myself doing this for 20 to 50 years? I don't just like do it. I was like, oh, let me just do this for a season. Like, like can I see it? Because if I can see myself, that is going to be the toggle that keeps me going. Kind of like, oh, you'll graduate high school one day. Okay, kindergarten, first, second, and it keeps you going forward energetically. And so the majority of things that I do I'm like, does this spark joy inside? And not only joy from the adult Garen, little Garen. Little Garen is the one with all the magic, the one with the zest, the creativity, the bravery. You ask any kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Why is it always massive? Ask that same kid 30 years later, how come you're not doing what you said you wanted to do? It's like, oh man. And um, and majority of them are working a nine to five job out of security and fear, getting paid less than their value and calling another human a boss. What happened? So for me, I try not to stray too far away from little Garen. And if it sparks that joy inside of me, I follow it. Why? Because it's connected to the truest essence of my heart. And the EKGs of the heart is the most powerful, one of the most powerful frequencies in the world. So why not use it? That power is crazy. Heart power. So I use heart power. I love running. I don't run for exercise. I don't run to get abs or the workout. I run because it's my form of moving meditation. I wake up at 4.30 every single morning. There are no lights on my street. It's just me and nature and I'll just go. That's where I get all of my downloads. If I'm, you know, I have a, a retreat called Awaken the Artist Within. All the songs come. It's like, oh, oh, all the ideas, all of the activations, Everything that I do comes through my form of moving meditation. And so, because I love to run. I love, nobody can take away my love. I love swimming. I don't do it for exercise. I do it. It just gives me life. It's like me remembering myself. So when I align myself with what made me the happiest when I was a little kid, where I felt free, it seems as though, and I don't know scientifically what's happening, but like a hundred out of a hundred, when I stay in that pocket for long enough, it seems like the universe becomes plastic and it starts molding around my heart frequency when I'm using the power of that. That's what I call artist power. So the artist is the little kid that's full of creativity and fun and joy and, and magic. And when you tap into the essence of that little kid, it produces a specific power. And that's what I call artist power. So I utilize artist power to paint and create whatever aspect of life that I want. And every time I don't, it always falls on its face. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm, I'm smiling because there's some study I was doing on self-awareness. And that shows how self-aware you are as a person because most of the people think self-awareness is, you know, just some random knowing as much you can know about yourself. But self-awareness actually has been broken down to many subcategories. And one of the subcategories is called social structure awareness. And social structure awareness is your ability to know what gets the most out of you mm. and setting the, that up as a system around you. Because what most people do is, again, like you said, they live in a reactive world. Oh, my kid wakes up at 8 a.m., so I wake up at 8 a.m. My 
you know, because my wife does this, I do this. It's a reaction-based awareness. It's never, if I have to go to work at 9 a.m., there's no intention in it. So nobody really thinks, how do I get most out of myself? Like, what is it that I need in the system of life that will give me the most fuel? Yeah. And you are hyper aware of that, which is like, I know I need to go for my run. I know I need to swim. I know I need to do A, B, C. And if I don't do them, I know I get not as turned on as I am because I didn't get my I social structure. Every time. Yeah. I want to share this. And I think that it's going to more than a wow story, but it's a true confirmation of the power of artist power. I just call it artist power because it's a name that resonates with me. So that's why I own the name. (laughs) (laughs) But I was in prison serving a 12-year sentence from... So I was in prison from 2002 to 2005, but I got sentenced after my first year of smuggling drugs over there in Europe where my girlfriend was. And I got caught serving a 12-year sentence. Mm -hmm. How did I get out in two and a half years without snitching? Mm Mm-hmm. So there was a moment where I'm in prison and I'm like, what? Like, how did I get in here? It's crazy. Like, I'm smuggling drugs. I got busted. I'd never had a drink of alcohol in my life, never did drugs, but I got busted because I was hungry for money, smuggling drugs from one country to another. I'm in prison for 12 years. And I said, man, I, I messed up. I messed up big time. And I'm in there. You know, when you watch a clock, it goes by really slow. So you got to keep yourself busy and then it goes by faster. I was watching the clock for a whole year. So imagine just watching a clock. That feels like 10 years. And then I was like, man, how did I mess up? Then they allowed us to watch movies once a month, every month in the prison. And Shawshank Redemption came on, which is a movie that's based out of prison. And Tim Robbins said, he said one line. He said, man, they can take anything they want away from me, but they can't take away my mind. And as soon as he said that, something about the words, I had the biggest epiphany. I know why I'm in prison. It's because when I was free, I used to say every day, why do I feel like I'm in prison inside of my own body, far away from where I'm supposed to be? And I look up in prison, far away in another country from where I'm supposed to be. I said, well, if I can think myself in prison, well, in that case, I'm a free man. What would a free man do? What showed up was everything that he used to love to do as a kid. So I started singing and inmates said, every time you sing, it makes me feel free. But I was already feeling free just by the joy that I was giving myself. And he got my overflow. So I'm singing every night. I was drawing portraits. I love to paint. I love to draw. I was giving portraits away to other inmates, regardless of my circumstance, because it was joyful for me. Then outside where we walk outside for one hour and then two hours, they call it the yard in America. It was promenade in in France. And there was stabbings, drug deals, fights all the time. And I have a little voice says, Garen, run. You love to run. And I'm like, well, nobody else is running. So I'm like going against the voice. And then finally one day I just start running and I'm running. They're saying, man, that American is crazy. I'm the only American. 30 days, I had 62 inmates running with me. I didn't ask anybody to run with me. I was just joyful inside of what made me happy as a child. Spreading freedom. Unconsciously giving other people permission slips. They start running. I felt free. I embodied all the characteristics of freedom. And when I felt free, out of nowhere, so out of nowhere, the constable called me to to go into the office. They said, Jones, We retested the drugs. And I instantly was like, well, you already tested it three times. It was 6.2 kilos of heroin. I said, we retested the drugs. I thought they were about to give me more time. 90% was fake. And for the amount that was real, you've already done the time. You are free to go home. That's the power of artist power and tapping into that flow, that internal resource. So by tapping into my little kid joy, my natural joy, it aligned me with nature. And anything that becomes a part of nature benefits from its resources. It's always flowing. Anything outside of nature always destructs. That's the power. And I've seen it one too many times. So that's where the self-awareness came from. I had too much evidence. So I might as well zone in on the evidence and keep on building off that. 
so beautiful. The story itself is so beautiful. And the learning, the essence of it that I am capturing is that the truest power is the power when you recognize yourself and free yourself from anything. Yeah. Anything that feels like this is holding me back. Whatever that might be. Yeah. It could be, you could be in a physical prison, you could be in a mental prison, you yep. could be in a spiritual prison because of whatever that is around you. If you're not expressing yourself. And they all feel yourself, the same. They all feel the same. Yes. And if you're not expressing yourself or you're not leaning into your fullest expression, you are not only, of course, not living your dharma, your purpose, your beingness, your work in the world in a way, or you're living in the world in a way, but you're also taking away power from people. Mm -hmm. Because when you live your power, when you fully express yourself, you get to show people that they too can fully express themselves. They get to see an example of someone who says, you know, I'm just going to be free. And you're free to join. Yeah. But I'm just going to be free. So you can see how free looks like. Yeah. The big community that listens to our podcast is called Master Coaching. And it is primarily coaches, new and seasoned coaches. And one of the big challenges coaches face at any stage of their career in one capacity or another is the freeness. Because they feel like, who am I to coach? Who am I to coach this person that seems more successful than me? Yeah. Who am I to coach in this circumstance that I may not have experienced or have experienced, but in a very different way? Who am I to be the guide? And I want to use your story to express that you are just by being free. Just yeah. by being freely expressive of yourself. You don't have to get a permission slip from anyone. You need a permission slip probably from yourself. Yeah. To say, <laughs> hey, I, I can be free and I can have that freedom. And once you're there, that is all you need. Because if you can get 62 inmates that want to stab each other and do drugs yep. to just run freely, I think there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. That... And it was the story of my life because I never realized the power of whenever I'm in that space, how it influences people. And so even my last retreat, it like sold out in two weeks and I had no ads, no major celebrities shouting me like, I don't know how these people found me, but there was an energy that was around Awaken the Artist Within. One day I'm at a party with like 200 people. And then I just pick up my tribal drum and I just start drumming. Next thing you know, there's like 150 people that start dancing and all this stuff. And this guy that kind of reminded me of Steve Jobs, he was like, I want that. I'm like, what, you want me to teach you how to drum? He's like, no, I want what's inside of you that has the confidence to stand up in a room full of people and just be free. I didn't know who he was. And I was like, well, I have a retreat coming up. And sharing all of this stuff, he signs up right away. I find out in the retreat, this dude's a multi-billionaire. Mm -hmm. And what that let me know is, and he told me, he's like, everything I do is I overcompensate. I don't have true confidence. He was like, but that, what you have, if I can have five ounces of that, he was like, I would actually have peace in my life. And the dude right now, he's like, man, I'm a change man. Thank you. Thank you for showing me what it's like to choose yourself and be free. And I was like, yo, fire me up. Like you got billionaires coming, <laughs> people worth $200 million coming for what I thought was like, man, I'm just having fun. I just want to have fun. I want to attract artists and creators and entrepreneurs and people who are blocked anywhere in their life and then create a safe space and then wake up all those artists to themselves. And it seems like it's just like orbing this energy Nothing I've ever created before, but I've also never created from the source of everything that's behind everything that I do until like six months ago, bro. Yeah. So my company has grown in six months what it normally takes a good company to grow to in five years. Beautiful. And I'm like, oh, this is something else. Like the momentum is going faster than the containers that I'm creating. So I got to be on my A game and so is my team. And I'm, we're getting new people. I'm like, yo, so this is what's happening. And it wants to keep creating. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's the power of service and love, yeah. which is the fundamental values that we base our work on. And clearly you base your work on is that you're leading with the idea of saying, I'm just going to a party. I'm going to express myself freely. It'll be in service to the community because, you know, when I am free, I know they get the permission to be free. Yeah. I'm going to pick up my drum. I'm going to just have fun with it. Yeah. And then whoever wants to join, like those 62 inmates yeah. are going to join. And they join and one of them goes, wow, 
That's true freedom. I have all the freedom money-wise because I'm a multi-billionaire, but that is true freedom. And they lean into that. And of course, now they feel more free. And I'm sure they're going to create great impact in society because of that, because they're truly going to express themselves. And their model is not going to run based on money, but their model is going to run on based on expression. Yeah. Which if we can all be free, well, that would be a beautiful world, isn't it? Yeah, because I've got a lot of friends right now. They're like, man. The Republicans are taking away my freedom or the or the Democrats are taking away. The president took away. And then they say, we got to fight for our freedom. I was like, bro, do you see where that energy is coming from? I was like, are they taking away your freedom? Or have you not given yourself your own internal freedom? Did they take away the possession of your own mind? Or are you making somebody else? Are you putting out that energy on somebody else that you haven't yet took responsibility for inside of yourself? So I tell people all the time, before you vote for anybody, put a flag out in front of your yard that says me 2024 and then research and then get all crunked up when somebody is like, if you put that amount of energy and learning about yourself and being curious and discovery, I bet you'll realize it don't matter who the president is. It don't matter where you came from. It don't matter which party's out there. Because when you become the president of the United States of you and then let everyone else experience that, oh my goodness, you'll all of a sudden see that it was you mad at you the whole time or you happy with you the whole time. And you who gave yourself your own key to freedom that you had in your pocket the whole time. It is so, so true. And if we would have this message... (laughs) really being heard across the nation and across different nations, really. This is not a problem only specific to America. I think there would be a huge change in even the way we vote, even the way we have dialogue with each other because a free man talking to a free man talks different than a caged man talking to a caged man or a woman. It doesn't matter. You are a different person because you're not intimidated by the other person. You're not thinking somebody's out to get you. You don't think anybody can get you because you are free. You have the freedom of you, like you clearly said. And I think that's such a powerful message and that must land in political, religious, all kinds of scenarios so people can stop like being a little crazy about these things and start being more free. Yeah, you know, I want to just accredit my mom because my childhood upbringing, she didn't make me choose a certain religion, even though she believed a certain way. She just exposed me. And it was funny because my best friend was Muslim and I would go to the mosque with him. My other best friend was Jewish and I would go to the temple with him. I was a little kid. My favorite uncle was gay. My mom was Methodist and all my other friends went to Baptist church. So I was exposed, little kid, of being able to see different varieties of people and not like this. So now I'm just 36 years evolved from that way of being able to receive many different kinds of religions or philosophies and thoughts and just be curious and ask about it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. But so what I do is I adopt certain things that I like and certain things that just doesn't favor the philosophy that I want to go by. But I'm always taking notice without the lens of like, you don't think like me because, you know, I just, you don't think like me, so we can't be friends. Okay, so you want the whole world to think exactly like you in order for you to be friends? Now, so you want to be in a world of robots or you want a a world of unique people that have different thoughts and that's how people create different things. We would create the exact same thing if we thought exactly the same, did exactly the same, believed energetics, exactly the same, wore the same colors. I don't want to live in a world like that. Boring as hell. Boring. Yeah. There's no difference of opinion. There's no different of thought. Your mother's story or how she helped you question things as a child reminds me of how my father did the same for me. So my mom is Jane, very strict Jane. Jane is um, the closest popular thing is Buddhism to it. It's her, kind her of, name is Jane? No, no, no. She's from the religion Jainism. Okay, We are it. all from that religion. But my dad would pick up even the religious text and say, question it. Do you really believe this could have happened? Do you believe that these could be the true stories? And what he was really doing was trying to keep me away from dogma of every religion. Every religion has like, you know, things that 
the religion fundamentally probably was not as flawed as the dogma is because the sense of religion or creation of religion was to create communities. It wasn't necessarily to create false beliefs about things. But anyway, so what he would do very early on is he would say, read this text and the text would be from a different religion. Like, read it. See if you feel this is something that's interesting and question everything, which bothered my mother like crazy because she was like, stop questioning me about God. Yeah. <laughs> and my father was like, but he should question them. If he wants to be in this thing, if you can't argue that stand, then religion is about that argument. Like you want to be able to disagree and have a dialogue so you can build true faith. Because if you really truly are going to believe in something, you have questioned it before. Otherwise, you're just following a herd. You don't really believe yeah. in it. Like and so mentality. you're going to... Yeah. And so you're going to anyways not follow it, right? So if let's say there was something good in the religion, which I'm, every religion has something good in there, blindly following, you're not going to follow that good thing or the bad thing. You're just going to go, where's the herd going? I'm just going to go there. Yeah. So you're never informed. You're always following. You're not truly informed. You just have information with you, but you're not informed. You've not recognize it. You've yeah. not embodied that information and said, what does this mean? I think that's a unique skill that a lot of us got as children, which is to be able to question things. Yeah. And to Why be okay with those questions. It, it is because that's what they said. Because the government says it or because school says it. Mom, why is the sky blue? Because that, that that's... And it none of it made sense to me. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And then I hear things like, why do you have to be so hard-headed? What that is, is why aren't you thinking like me? Yeah. But I remained hard-headed and the problem child. And it's funny how because I didn't get sucked into that system or the school system, I was considered an F and D and C student in school. I didn't get indoctrinated where school typically takes people, like below average thinking and not knowing how to process their feelings. So because I got in trouble, it almost blinded me from, it just gave me this opportunity to like create in a way where I don't have to go back. My homeostasis in learning is observing the masses and doing the opposite. Mm. And I credit that to, and I don't want to tell anybody to be a problem child. It just happened for me that way. And I use it as my, I'm privileged. I use it as my benefit to not have to go into like, well, this is the way that we've always done it. I'm like, well, damn, can somebody do it a different way? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just grateful. And this is what I try to teach people. Question it all. Question something I share with you. Like if it doesn't make sense, I can only say so much. And if it doesn't make sense, I'm like, well, here's where I learned it. And this is my life. And I learned this by doing this. And Maybe it doesn't work for you that way. Maybe running is not your moving meditation. Mm -hmm. Maybe playing in the rain is. But question it. Find out why. Get curious like a little kid because you will discover the answers and what's true for you. And that's all I want for people is to have that sense of purpose and freedom inside. Beautiful, beautiful. I love how you said the being seen as a problem child. I was seen as a problem child as well, mostly because I wouldn't study because it didn't give me joy. Like, you know, I was still a pretty average student and some things I was really great at when I loved them or loved those subjects, but a lot of the other subjects I didn't really like. And I was a problem child once I really grew up because I was making decisions that mm -hmm. were like not in congruence at all. Yeah. Quit engineering, quit a great job to move to Malaysia to work as an intern for a company, quit while I was CEO of a really successful company. Basically, I've been a problem kid as I grew up. And that's where the reflection came to me is there is no problem child. It's always just a child that disagrees with you because they don't that. see the world the way you see the world. But that's exactly what you want for a child because that shows a confident child to you. That is demonstration of a child that is thinking for themselves. That is a child that is actually saying, you know what? I hear you and I don't agree. Yeah. I think that's the best skill you can give to a child is to say, I'm going to think for myself and I'm going to find my own data and I'm going to find my own information. I'm going to find my own experience because every single time a child does that, you will find the child in life overall is comfortable with the pace of life. They're not getting all stressed out because daddy's not picking up the call. Yeah. They're like, yeah, no, dad doesn't need to pick up the call. I can think for myself. I can yeah. make my own decisions and live with it if they don't work out. Yeah. Right. And that is true power. I feel to be able to enjoy life, to be, be, be in the flow and joy of life. We're doing that with food. Like 
baby soul is barely 11 months. She knows what she wants and what she doesn't. We don't try to force it on her. One day she'll want potatoes and the next day she'll just wipe it clean. I'm like, yo, I've never seen a baby this young do that. And she'd be like, huh, and point to the meat. (laughs) And then one day, the next day, we'll think it's the meat and we'll go like this. And she's like, point to the blueberries. And so she's already exercising her independence and we're supporting that. And some days we'll be eating our food and be like, oh, this is so cute. We can eat the same foods. And she won't be on that. She's like, that's not what I want. And literally we'll wipe it on the floor for the dog to eat and we'll point directly to, I was like, yo, 11 months. And she passionately knows what she wants. I'm like, got it. Clear. Thank you. That's so beautiful that you just gave Soul's example because that's all of us know in our bodies what we truly want to eat, which is usually fresh foods and fresh meats or whatever that is that somebody enjoys. But we again get turned off by the society say, no, you should be eating a burger from McDonald's instead or some crap like that. And as children, we know what's true and good for us and we can choose like baby soul does. Karen, what is a good next step for somebody who's like, hey, I love this guy. I love his stories. I want to find the artist's way. Where should they go? How can they learn more about you? So... Everything can be found on my website. So garenjones.com, my Instagram, garen.jones, my website, my book, Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life, which is my road from where I was living in my car to where I am two years ago. But all the philosophies and principles that I learned broken down in a very simple to read book with practical lessons on how you can exercise those things practically in your life. So that's change your mindset, change your life and close your eyes and think of me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty much where we are. And we have a pretty big, some really cool things launching in 2023. But for right now, you can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. So go ahead and check out Garen's website or Instagram. Go follow him so you can get all the updates and all the information. Thank you, Garen. Oh,